by so great a cloud of witnesses. This cloud of witnesses that he's talking about are actually people of faith. He's actually writing about people of faith. People like Abraham and Sarah. People like Jacob and Joseph. People like Moses and all those who wandering Israelites in the desert. People like Barak. People like David. People like Gideon. He's naming all of these people. They're, they're invisible to the present crowd. They, they, they may be even mysterious, but they're all so very important. And after the writer of Hebrews begins to name some of the people, then he starts naming unnamed people and, and how that they were suffering, how they had suffered mightily for their faith. He says that that some of them were mocked and some of them were flogged and some of them were stoned to death and some of them were sawn in two and some of them died by the sword. Uh, some of them were persecuted. Some of them were tormented. Some of them were treated very, very harshly. And it made me wonder, why does the writer of Hebrews think that it is so important that we remember these mysterious, these invisible people? Why in the world would the writer want us to know about this original crowd? Well, the reason we sort of touched on it a little bit last week is because the writer is writing to a group of people who've been steeped in the Jewish tradition. They've grown up uh, in the temple and the synagogues. Uh, they, they know what it means to be people of God. And yet somewhere along the way, they began to discern and to believe that Jesus was the Messiah for which they had been waiting their entire lives. And so they began to, to place their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. They, they, they began to be people of the way. And yet things didn't turn out the way that they thought that they would. They thought that their Messiah would remove all of the persecution and the disappointment and the disaster and the disillusionment that they had been experiencing in their lives. And yet it appears as if, even though they were now professing faith in Jesus the Christ, that they were still being persecuted, that they were still being tormented, that they were still experiencing disappointment and disillusion, and the writer of the Hebrews wants them to know that, that, that what you are experiencing today is in many ways no different than all of those invisible and mysterious and important people that have gone on before you. And the writer wants them to maintain this spiritual gift of endurance. He wants them to keep on believing and to keep on trusting and not to give up and not to give in and not to give out until they finish the race before them. And whether they finish that race before them on this side of eternity or on the next the writer of Hebrew reminds them that Jesus will be there to greet them. And that Jesus will give them the promise. They will receive the promise that had been made on their behalf. 
Well, maybe this will be even more helpful to uh, understand why this original cloud is being mentioned in Hebrews. Every week I get together with four other clergy colleagues and we meet at 8 o'clock in the morning and we answer at least three questions, every single one of us. And those questions are, how is it with your soul? The second question, as if that one wasn't kind of difficult enough, is what sins and what uh, struggles do you need to confess to the rest of us this morning? And then the final question is, what does the Holy Spirit and the sacred scriptures have to say to you today? in light of what you've already shared. Well, this past Wednesday morning, when we got to the fourth person in our group, the fourth person before beginning to answer the question said this, you know what, I am so glad that I went last today. And I thought he was going to say, because my life's not nearly as messed up as the rest of y'all. But instead, he said, I'm so glad that I went last today because every single one of you said something that reminded me of something that I needed to be reminded of today. And what I needed to be reminded of today is that I am not alone that the same things that I'm wrestling with and struggling in my own life and in my own heart are the same things that you all are wrestling with and struggling with in your life and in your heart. And and the same things that we are wrestling with together are the same things that people who have gone on long before us who were so mysterious and invisible and yet important to us, it's the same kind of stuff that they experienced as well. You are not alone. We are not alone. I think that's the point that the writer of the Hebrews was trying to make to this group of people who have committed to following Jesus, who are beginning to question whether or not they made the right decision, who are beginning to wonder if, 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 if Jesus is not the Messiah. They're, be, they're dis- still disappointed. They're still disillusioned. And, and they're beginning to lose faith. And, and, and what this writer wants them to know is, you are not alone. You are not alone. This morning... Brother Jim mentioned to us about the Grief Share group that's finally full to capacity, and and I'm so grateful for a ministry like that. You know why people signed up for that grief group? It wasn't so that they could learn the proper definitions of grief. It wasn't so that they could refresh their memory about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. They joined that group because they needed to be reminded that you are not alone. 
There's a group that also meets in our church. It's for people uh, who are experiencing a loved one or a family member or maybe even themselves, dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, they don't need a classic definition of Alzheimer's or dementia. They come together in that group because they need to be reminded that you are not alone. There are recovery groups that meet just about every night, it seems like, in this church. Three or four nights a week, sometimes several groups going on at one time. They don't get together uh, for any other reason but to be reminded, you are not alone. You are not alone. When people come into my office and share their deepest uh, heartaches and struggles, it's not because they think that I can fix it. It's not because they think that I can just instantly make it all better. When people come into my office sharing their deepest struggles and heartaches, what they really want to be reminded of is you are not alone. That's why the original crowd was given to us. We are not alone. Since no matter how disappointed we get in life, no matter how disillusioned we get in life, no matter what happens to us, sometimes it can be really grim stuff that happens to us. Like all of the stuff that's in the passage of Scripture today about people being sawn in two and killed by the sword. Life is hard. But we gather together in worship on Sunday mornings and in our Sunday school classes and in our small groups, in our recovery groups, to be reminded that we are not alone. And that if we will just keep our faith, if we will just persevere, if we will just find encouragement in one another, then it may not be on this side of eternity, it may be on the next, but when we get to the finish line, whatever that line is and wherever it may be, Jesus stands there to greet us. And we will receive the promises that God has made to us. We are not alone.